Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zivyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Good Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. 
I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Julia Bartz is the author of The Writing Retreat, a novel. Julia is a Brooklyn-based writer and practicing therapist. Her fiction writing has appeared in the South Dakota Review, in Digest Magazine, and more. The Writing Retreat is her first novel. Welcome, Julia. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Writing Retreat. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Could you please tell listeners what your book is about? Yes. So The Writing Retreat is about a woman named Alex who has pretty much given up on her dreams of becoming a published writer when she receives the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to attend a writing retreat that's being put on by her favorite author, the horror novelist Rosa Vallo. So when Alex gets to the retreat, she finds out that not only is it a retreat, it's also a contest. So Rosa is asking all of the attendees to write an entire book from scratch during one month's time. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) At the end of the month, she is going to pick her favorite and give that author a $1 million book deal. So Alex buckles down, is working on her book, but soon starts seeing strange things happening around Rosa's potentially haunted estate. And when one of the attendees goes missing, Alex must find out what's really happening at the writing retreat, or she may disappear too. That's such a good pitch. (laughs) Where did this idea come from? And have you ever tried to write a novel in a month? Yeah. Why didn't you ask that? Because I actually had to go back through my files because I really couldn't remember when exactly I started writing this book. It had been a long time. And I realized that the very first iteration was actually a NaNoWriMo book. So NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. So it was, man, almost 10 years ago, late 2014, um, my um, sister, Andy Bartz, and another friend who's a writer, Leah Conan, and I decided to do NaNoWriMo together. And so I think I was the only one that actually got to the word count for the month. But for anyone who doesn't know, NaNoWriMo is an annual kind of online community where people attempt to write. I don't think it's an entire book, but it's I think it's like 60,000 words or something something around there. So it's significant. It's a lot of writing and you're supposed to do it every day and kind of cheer each other on. So it's felt so apropos that that was the very first version of the story that I hadn't even remembered. Oh my gosh. And do you just dug it up or how did you even, did you know that you had tried it at some point? I literally went through my Google Docs and was just (laughs) kind of, you know, like searching for different terms. And Alex has been Alex since day one. That was always her name. And it was a different version. It actually verged a little on sci-fi. So it was kind of a different book. But similarly, Alex had gone through this friend breakup with Ren and kind of fled the city. And she was actually the sleepwalker in the story and was waking up in strange places and having these weird dreams where Rosa was was coming to her in those dreams. And 
communicating with her and Rosa actually turned out to be an alien. So that was a little bit different. Yeah, a little different. (laughs) So went through a lot of changes, but I do remember the idea of setting it at a writing retreat that kind of landed on me. It was a couple of years later and I had set the book aside because it wasn't really working. But then when I had this idea of Rosa being this horror novelist, setting it at her estate, that's when everything really fell into place. Interesting. Well, I like how you set it up, even just with like the competition among writing friends, right? From the start. And also feeling like someone like Ursula was really going to make it big versus Ren versus like, how do you know among your group of friends, who's going to make it? I mean, it's such a crapshoot and yet there can be predictions and I don't know. Yeah. It's always, it's always a question and and people, they're writing journey or publishing journey can be on a very different timeline. I think if people keep at it for for years and years, eventually you get to that point, but you never know when that will happen. And have you gone to a writing retreat? I actually have not. (laughs) What? Even after this came out? Have you been invited? You have to, or anything? No, maybe that's embarrassing that I haven't been invited yet, but uh, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the reasons that I said it at a writing retreat, um, because I always kind of had this fantasy of what a writing retreat would be like and how it would be just so incredible to be able to focus on that, on your writing, and then also be in this community of writers because, you know, writing is so solitary that, you know, it can get a little lonely sometimes. So it is really nice to have people around you. And I have many friends who are writers, but to have that kind of concentrated time where all you have to do is write and you're surrounded by other people who are doing the same thing. That always seemed so fun to me, but it's a little, it's hard to do sometimes, you know, the, the writing retreats that are funded are extremely hard to get into and ones where you have to pay, you know, it can be kind of financially difficult. And if you're working in a full-time job, which I used to, it can also be hard to take the time off. So I think it was fun for me to just kind of allow myself to dream up, like, what would my ideal writing retreat be like? Of course, in the book, it goes off the rails a bit. Okay. Well, we do these retreats like called Zibby retreats or whatever. We're doing them quarterly. So you have to come and be one of the people. And then it will be its own like writing retreat. You can teach like a writing thing if you want or something. I don't know. If you want. Yeah. No, I would love that. That sounds great. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. Maybe next year with, uh, we have a book coming out by Swan Huntley that is about like ghostwriting and the writer relationship. And maybe we could do a whole writing thing around that. Okay. Are you, okay. I'll be in touch. That'll be fun. But see, (laughs) now you'll be invited and, uh, yeah, that'll be great. I think people will be excited. Okay. So you started it in NRIMO. You've gone through multiple versions what is it about this topic that, or which part of this has sort of grabbed your consciousness that you couldn't let it go? Yeah. So I think the piece of it that I couldn't let go of was the kind of this challenge that I was going through at the time of feeling very frustrated as a writer. I said a moment ago that, you know, I think if people keep at it, you'll eventually get there. But I had actually written two books before this that I tried to get published that did not work out. The first one, I wasn't able to get an agent. The second one, I did have an agent and we worked together closely for quite some time. And then she decided to part ways with me, which I've found out is very common. Like it happens all the time. But for me, it was devastating because I felt just completely back at square one. And 
So during that time, I was actually switching careers into becoming a therapist because I was like, I don't know if this writing thing (laughs) is going to work out. Um, So I had had a day job, but I had always focused on the writing. So at that point, I had to kind of figure out something else that I would feel passionate about. And so it was in the midst of a career change. I was in grad school. And after the second book didn't work out, I, I really wasn't sure if I was going to keep going with it or if I was going to step away from the writing, uh, maybe forever. And I decided that, again, something about this story, it felt like it would be extremely cathartic to write it. And um, I also decided to use it almost as an exercise of exploring like my psyche, since I was learning to become a therapist, I was doing a lot of, you know, self-diagnosing and just <laughs> those like really dark places, the unconscious, like the things that I'm not always aware of that are there. And particularly shadow parts, which I was very interested in, which are parts of us that we repress usually when we're young, because we're told that they're not acceptable. So for women and girls, that can have a lot to do with anger, rage, shame, sexuality, So those were all things that I was interested in and thought that if I did write this book, I could use it, you know, almost as an exercise for myself and really, you know, also write it without focusing on the outcome. You know, is this going to get published? Because I knew if I did that, I just wouldn't be able to write it. So what did you learn after doing a deep dive into the dark side of Julia? (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun, honestly. There's, I don't want to spoil anything, but there may be one or more psychopaths in the book. And that in particular felt really kind of fun and interesting to explore because psychopathic women are like the opposite of how we usually feel. You know, women have to like be caretakers or, you know, be polite or, um, you know, put themselves last. And psychopaths are the opposite. Like they're so self-interested and they don't really care about other people (laughs) as like items of, you know, people that they can manipulate. So it was, it was fun and enjoyable. And I really encourage people, um, clients that I see or friends or whoever to tap into those parts of us that we are a little bit scared of because, you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to do anything bad, but just being aware of it can really teach us a lot about ourselves. Very true. Okay. Psychopathic women. Maybe I'm not inviting you to this retreat. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe this is a horrible mistake. (laughs) Tell me about your first two books. What were they about? Thank you for asking. Yeah. The first book was a novel in stories because I didn't have the confidence that I could write a full book. So I was trying to kind of trick myself into writing a full-length book. So it was a novel in stories about three different women who disappear on purpose and exploring the idea of that. The stories were told by other characters who are close to them. So you kind of find out slowly like what, what's going on with each of them and where they went and why. So I had a lot of fun writing that. And then the second one, funnily enough or depressingly enough, was actually a near future novel in which Roe Wade has been overturned. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote it, I think it was 2016, 2017. Maybe it's time to pull that one out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, very scary. I did not think that that would actually happen anytime soon. Um, and in the book, there's a group of women that call themselves Femme Fury. And it's kind of this new age, like riot girl, punk rock movement that, you know, 
goes up against those in charge of this decision. Wow. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wait, so tell me, after you parted ways with the agent and you wrote this draft, how did you get your agent this time? And tell me about this whole like publication. It must have felt really great after all that. It did. Yeah. With this book, another thing that I also focus on with this book was the plot. Like I, I love horror. I love thrillers. So I wanted to make this book as suspenseful and kind of like page turning as possible. And I think that really helped me. So when I completed the book, um, I'd had some friends read it. I went back and edited. And then I remember I was going to Santa Fe with a friend I guess it was about two years ago now. And I remember sending out my first batch of aging queries. So what you do is you send like an email out to people. There's kind of a format where you share what your book is about and who you are before I sent those out before getting on the plane. And over that trip, um, one person reached out to me and we met up when I was back in New York and she was wonderful. But that led to me letting the other agents know that she made an offer. And so a couple other people wanted to speak with me as well. And at the end of the day, I ended up going with Alexandra Machinist, who is incredible. And she's actually my sister's agent as well. So that was, yeah, kind of a funny, nice thing that happened. And she's been great. Like I couldn't ask for a better agent. Wow. And then what about selling the book to publishers and all that? Yeah, that process was fairly quick and smooth as well. We had a couple offers. So I I spoke with a few editors and I decided to go with Emily Bessler, Atria, Simon & Schuster, um, because, I mean, she's just a very cool person. But also I, I felt that 
some other people were hesitating a little bit on the kind of the violence in the book. And Emily was just completely like, yes, let's do it. Like, I'm all for it. She fully supported everything crazy that happens in the book. And so I felt like she was definitely the right person to work with. Fellow dark side, shadow sister. (laughs) She was the editor for you too. So that felt like, okay, she knows how to edit like dark books. Yeah. And what is it like having another writer in the family? Like, tell me about that whole dynamic. Yeah. Andy and I have always been writers from childhood. We would write stories together. We would write stories on our own. And she became a journalist, a magazine journalist and travel journalist. And at a certain point wrote her, her first book. And so that was a couple of years. I'm trying to think what year that was. I think it was 2018 when she got the offer. So she was ahead of me by a couple of years. So that was actually really helpful because I kind of saw her process going through the different publishing stages. And she has been extremely helpful for me during this time too. Like I can always call her, text her with any questions or issues that I'm having. And she knows exactly what to do. That's really convenient. (laughs) Built-in support network. That's great. What types of books do you like to read? Are you drawn to dark fiction as well? Yes. I I love thrillers. I love horror. Like I love anything that just keeps me invested and in, like trying to figure out what's going on. And that's that's been for a long time. I would say like early influences were Shirley Jackson, of course, Stephen King, Margaret Atwood, like I guess also people who were able to combine very intriguing stories with characters that you really cared about. Mm-hmm. What's the latest great horror or thriller you've read? Oh, I'm currently reading The Spite House by Johnny Compton. And it's fantastic. Yeah. I hadn't even heard of what spite houses were, but it's such an interesting concept. They're basically houses that people build to piss other people off. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, this, this house in the book is like up on a hill overlooking other buildings, including an orphanage. So it's, yeah, every time you look up at the sky, this like really ugly house is looking down on you. So it's such a brilliant concept. And of course, in the book, it's haunted. Oh. So what are you working on for your next book? So I'm deep into my next book. I'm feeling very excited about it. And I'm not sharing too much yet. But I would say that if you like the writing retreat, you'll probably like this book as well. And it kind of focuses around the idea of how affected we are by our community and the people around us, sometimes to a horrifying degree. Horrifying degree. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. What do your parents make of all this? What do they make of you and your sister? And what's it like at like a family gathering? (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good question. They are both in the Midwest. And yeah, Andy and I see them, you know, at different points during the year. And they're very proud. It's funny because my mom is a huge reader and she she was one that really encouraged Andy and I to read a lot as children too. Um, but she is, she's all about it. She loves all of our books and is very supportive. And my dad is also very supportive, although he's not a huge reader and definitely not a reader of kind of horror and thriller books. So I think he's a little like, doesn't know where this all came from. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it is funny. Yeah, certain family members, I say, like, I'm not sure if you need to read this. Um, (laughs) Fair warning, there's sex and violence. So just so you know. Wow, that's funny. You know, just trade your trade your books around the table and freak each other out. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do get emails from, from family members who sometimes I'm a little surprised even by the family members who have read the books and in, enjoyed them. So that's, that's a nice thing too. That is a nice thing. And what do you do when you're not writing? So I am a therapist and a creative coach as well. So yeah, it's, it's kind of nice that I can make my own schedule and, and see clients like where I want to. And yeah, I love being a therapist and the creative coaching is a little bit newer, but kind of the perfect marriage of the therapy and the writing background. Mm. So the coaching is more about helping people bring their works into the world, or if they're having like certain challenges that are coming up for them creatively, I can help them with that. So less like manuscript, less in the manuscript and more in your head. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I don't edit, but I'm here to um, talk about anything because yeah, it can be, it can be frustrating to go back to that word, you know, and and challenging at really any stage of the writing or publishing process, there can be things coming up. So some people appreciate having someone to talk to about it. Do you help with people getting bad reviews and how to cope with that feeling? Oh my goodness. Um, I haven't <laughs> yet for clients, but it is some, that is something that I talk about with writer friends who are going through that and myself included, because yeah, if you go to my Goodreads, you will see a lot of good reviews and a lot of bad reviews. And it is a practice to not really take it personally. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> It is. Yeah. And I think writers are usually very sensitive people. So it can be, you know, it can be a little hurtful if someone tags you on Instagram or something. And I I do kind of stay away from Goodreads now after the bad reviews started coming in, um, which is what people, most authors will tell you to do that. Um, But, you know, I, I see, I see them here and there. And ultimately people are totally, you know, welcome to their opinion. And, you know, my book is out there. So of course you can have any feedback or reaction that you want, but I don't always need to see it. Do you feel that people who get, you know, quote unquote writer's block or or just are blocked sort of creatively? And is there something like, is there something those that, that is a shared thing among like that issue? Like, where is that coming from? Hmm. Yeah, that's that is something I talk about with people a lot because as in therapy, like the resistance comes up. So there's something that's stopping you from doing what you want to do, which is writing a book or a story or whatever. And there are definitely themes around that. And I think the most common ones are either self-criticism or fear of what other people will think. <laughs> when I started the memoir, the like 8 millionth version that ended up becoming my memoir, I put in like all caps and bold at the top, no one will read this but you. Yeah. I literally like couldn't start until I had that. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'll I'll, I'll trick myself into writing it. (laughs) I just got goosebumps. Yeah. I think that's such a good idea, even for fiction too, just like telling yourself that no, read it, just do whatever you want. But especially for memoirs, like I have such respect for memoir writers because I think that, yeah, that can be an opportunity for even more fears to come up. Yeah. Well, maybe you're, you're welcome to steal my 
my idea here for your clients, but even having like a second document where you're like, this is the one no one's going to see. And that's mm-hmm. the one it ended up being, you know, a whole book. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Not yeah. Tips. This is your job, but you know. Yeah, it's helpful because with the new book that I'm writing, like I haven't written a first draft of something new in so long. So yeah. as I'm writing, I'm just like, I'm such a terrible writer. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> awful. Like this is like so bad. But I have to remind myself that, you know, this is just how it is on the first draft. It's just like you can allow it to be as bad as you want it to be. And that's a good reminder. Like no one's going to see this first draft except for me. So I need to just let myself write it. Yeah. As long as you have something down there, you can make it much better. Yeah. You know, but yes, very common. It's so easy for us to get in our own ways, not just in writing, but in so many things, but particularly where we're just trying to be creative and I don't know, try something new and do it alone with you and the page, you know, (laughs) it's almost like a perfect recipe for anxiety really, you know, but anyway, yeah. Take what's in your brain and then show it to the entire world. Okay, go. (laughs) Good luck. It's so (laughs) true. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really important to have a community around you of, you know, people that you're close to who love you no matter what, but then also people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. You get it. Like, I think the most helpful thing for me has been having Andy and like other friends who have been through this and know how strange and, you know, it feels very exposed. It feels very vulnerable. So it's good to just have people you can talk to about that. Yeah, for sure. That's so true. Well, maybe you'll meet more friends at our writing retreat. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Julia, for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. Thank you for your book and for sharing all this great information. And yeah, I will look forward to seeing you soon. (laughs) Good. Thank you so much. I had such a good time. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.